Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. You will be hearing me fanboy like crazy for the next hour or so. Um, I'm Well, first of all, I'm going to do the sponsor call. So we're first of all sponsored by AdelMarcy.com. We're also sponsored by PurelyHosting.com forward slash Adel. Go ahead and get your hosting from there. We're also sponsored by Rutin and Ronaldo. Is that how you say his name? Ronaldo? Ronaldo, yeah. yeah. Ronaldo.com. Or you can check out their Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Rutin and Ronaldo. Now, with that being said, I am actually, I have like this immense fanboy pleasure to introduce a man that has been an icon to me, a childhood hero growing up doing Muay Thai in England. Um, the one and only, the legendary man himself, El Wapo, Bas Rutin. Bas, thank you for being here. You're very welcome. You're very well. Thank you for that introduction. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Um, wow. So, before we even kick this off, I just want to go and say we had a guest on, um, our friend Paul Kutch. Uh, he interviewed me, and uh, I think, uh, and then I interviewed him a few days later. But while I was interviewing him, he mentioned you. And that's the way this whole thing came about, was because he was like, So, yeah, uh, I spoke to this guy called Bass Rutten. I was like, You know, Bass Rutten? He goes, You do MMA and BJJ. I was like, Of course, I know who he is. <laughs> the guy's a legend. It was like, Oh, I can introduce you. I was like, Please do. <laughs> so, that was oh, really cool. Um, yes. but, how that works, right? The world, how that how that goes together. Yeah. You know, you know, one person, and boom, suddenly you're connected. Entirely, it's crazy how close this world is becoming, and in a good way. And something that, like, I just kind of want to just jump into right away before we do anything else. For the people that don't know out, that don't know you, um, a part of me kind of wants to do your introduction for you, but the other part is like, I think the man himself should do it. But like, um, so about one of the things that you're like for your introduction, I really kind of want to jump into is that you started off essentially as, if I remember, you had really bad eczema, and then you went, you became a chef, didn't you, while um, modeling, and then you did Muay Thai, and then that kind of took off. So like, how does this all piece together in a timeline, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, you know, it's um, it's a it's it, it's a bit of a story. But but what happened was that when I was six years, I, first of all, when I was born, I was covered in eczema, oh, okay. and that went away. And then um, four years old, I had um, rheumatic fever, so I, I had been in the hospital for three or four months at that time. Then we moved at six, and once I moved, for some reason, the eczema came back, and now it was together. Hand in hand with um, asthma, also I had mm. severe asthma attacks. If I would have eczema, I would not have asthma. If I had asthma, I would my eczema would be less. It's like uh, it balances each other out. Mm -hmm. And um, well, the eczema was was just a horrible, uh, a horrible skin disease. Uh, it was on my hands. It was in my face. It was in my neck. You know, so I had to wear turtlenecks, long sleeves. I was wearing these white little gloves, like these band-aid gloves. And uh, needless to say, if you're young kids gonna bully you so yeah. that's where everything started you know I got picked on picked on picked on. I never lost a fight though like what hand-to-hand -hand, but a lot of people didn't want to fight me because they were afraid it was contagious that they would <laughs> so, but it did, I never lost but the, the words words are way more powerful than any deed you know it's in a and it, I, I really believe that expression because it hurts you and, and slowly but surely you know um, I needed to do something against it. I went to a movie, Enter the Dragon, in France, actually, with my brother, and I saw and uh, I saw Bruce Lee there. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, if I become like that guy, the bullying will stop. And that was it. I started training. I, I'm going fast forward now. I started yeah. training, knocked out the biggest bully in town when I was 14. My parents took me off right away from, from, uh, from martial arts because they always thought it was... Taekwondo, it was right? 
So, excuse me? It was Taekwondo, right? You, that it was you initially... Taekwondo, yeah, Taekwondo. And, and it went fast, you know. I, uh, I, <clears throat> I went with an adult. Uh, my, neighbor, uh, my neighbor girl, she had a tough go- boyfriend, and he took me under his wing. And, and, but anyway, and I was with, training with the adults, and within months I was beating up the brown belts there. So I heard them talking about me, you know. Man, he dropped boss, dropped this and this guy, boss, dropped that and that guy with the spinning back kick. So I, I got confidence. So then when I got into my first street fight with the biggest bully in town, it was one punch and knocked him out. Broke his nose, though, so the police showed up and I had to, you know, uh, I had to right away say no more taekwondo to my parents. So then I waited six years till I moved out of the house. Around 20 years old, I moved out, I think. And uh, that's where I started doing everything. Taekwondo, karate, um, Thai boxing. I started competing Thai boxing with it six months that I did karate, you know, because I every time I was looking for something more. Taekwondo was just the kicks. The karate, okay, now we got the strikes with it, but I still not to the head, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and I go, okay, kickboxing, wait a minute, that you can pretty much do anything. So I see, I was already looking for the most, the product that would give me the most. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was it. I started competing in Thai boxing, did really well there. Then uh, stopped because I uh, ran out of opponents, pretty much, you know. Or I, I would get an opponent, and then when I would show up, he would see it's me. And then it was oh, it was not like the early days. You go online and you say, oh, that's the guy, yeah. you know. And they heard about me, and they didn't want to fight me. And so I stopped for two years, and then I made a stupid mistake of saying yes to a fight when I was drunk um, at New Year's Eve, and they called me literally two and a half weeks before the fight. Asking, asking me where to send the posters to. I had no clue what they were talking about. <laughs> and I said, what posters? They say, you're fighting. I'm fighting? I say, yeah, you're the main event. They say, who am I fighting? Frank Lotman, with the nickname The Animal, Frank The Animal Lotman. I go, dude, so I didn't want to back out. Because you know? oh. I thought I'd be a but being a boxer for two years, partying, not training whatsoever, I couldn't even do my rope skipping. <laughs> say i lost that fight <laughs> oh man yeah so, uh, this is just something i love about you so much boss is every interview i've ever seen of you i'm guaranteed to laugh just simply you have so many stories out there but there is something i kind of want to backtrack to that you actually mentioned it in passing and it's something that um re-peaked my interest as an adult when i was my because uh, i'm 26 now but when i was 21 uh i started a program for helping kids uh that were getting bullied being a kid myself that was bullied for a very long time, um, even when I did Thai boxing, because the, the rule of my family is quite weird. My dad, my sister, and my mom, when they were younger, if they were ever bullied, it was like, like we're going straight for fisticuffs, and we're ending this now. When I got to school, everyone in my family was like, don't fight in school, don't fight in school, take it, don't fight in school. So I did Muay Thai from like the age of uh, 13 onwards. For three years, uh, like any time I got picked on, I got told, walk away from it. So, you know, bullies only get worse if you don't stand up to them. And uh, that messed with me for a really, really long time. So I understood that once I actually got my own confidence as an adult, I thought, right, what are good ways to help kids that are going through this that can't defend themselves in a way to even defend themselves, not just physically, because over in the UK, there's like rules now where if you... um. If you're in an altercation, no matter what age you are, even if it's self-defense, you're in trouble with the police. It's, it's insane. Um, so it's kind of like understand the mindset behind it all. You know, you know, if someone's bullying, you have to not let that affect you on a day-to-day as badly as it could. Because, unfortunately, we all know like uh, it's affected a few people. And you had like, a huge hand to play in the anti-bullying campaign over in the States, didn't you? I remember Cartoon Network did a whole thing with you at one point. 
Yeah, uh, because of that reason also. I first I did the Get Fit campaign, and then they realized that I was bullied as a kid. So I thought, hey, you're going to be a nice uh, spokesman for that. Mm. And it's, uh, yeah, but there, there you go again. You see, it's what you're saying. It's uh, it's the words. It's it's not a beating. You know, beating everybody can take a beating, and yes, yeah, sure, it's not fun. But um, I, I think words they they start. You know, and, and people repeat them constantly. You know, as a kid, you start believing those things, and then you start doubting yourself, and you know it's um, it's weird. But it's it's weird what one punch can change. Yeah. Right? I, I told this story like a couple of days ago to somebody I met at a, at a TV show, and she said, "Man, you you came for me to the school to Calabasas to the wrestling team with these little kids. I was so happy." And it was a long time ago. I go, "Oh yeah, I remember that." I said, "I, I, I can't remember you." But she uh, she was also talking about uh, bullying, you know, that it's a uh, it's it's a big thing right now, and especially when I was bullied, it was it was not online bullying. Now nowadays, you know, the online bullying, everybody teaming up, you know, and it's if you really think about it, it's such a it's so pathetic, you know, to do it with a fake name to do. I I don't know how I always think about this. How how do the you guys go to sleep? You know, Ouch. do they look the mirror and they they look at the mirror at themselves and they're gonna say, oh yeah. You are the man, you know. You you showed him, and then slowly, hopefully, they start realizing. Wait a minute, I'm doing it behind a computer because I'm afraid that he finds out who I am, you know. Oh, in fact, I'm a little scary guy. So, if you think about it, those bullies, there are bullies, but they're idiots, you know. Yeah. They it's proven they have a, a low, a much lower IQ than normal people because normal people wouldn't do that. Mm. And it actually is quite strange, exactly like, you know, as uh, keyboard warriors, as we always like to call them. And yeah. that's what they really are, keyboard warriors. You see them in the street, they're like, oh, hi, please don't hurt me. The nicest people. Oh, it's the strangest thing. We actually had this um, at my friend's gym a couple of years ago, where one of the kids, we actually found out that um, one of our training guys used to get bullied, uh, side bullying, you know, side bullying. So he's the same age as me, but side bullying. Literally, uh, his bully signed up to our gym not knowing that he trained there oh wow yeah and then he found out who it was because he was he was making fun of it with one of the other guys he was like oh yeah there was this guy we used to always like you know this that the other trying to be a tough guy my friend goes and this is what you used to say to him and he goes how'd you know that he goes because i was the kid that you did that to tapped him out constantly now the guy didn't come back to the gym for months finally came back they became friends they're, they're really good friends now which is a lovely thing because you know they talked out they understood where they were coming from but at the time, it was like, dude, it ain't cool. But moving past that, because there is something you did that I was leading to with this whole thing, and that is words have power, and we both know that. And one of our favorite books, which is a mutual reason that we actually got talking a couple of years ago, was uh, The Alchemist. Like, I'm a huge fan of that book anyway, like, always have been. And it's kind of cool that you advocate it as well. Like, so how did that book come across? Like, how did you come across that book? You know, I'm I'm thinking now. I'm trying to figure it out. Somebody told me for sure. They said you're gonna have to read that book. You know, I, I. Yeah, you know what? I should really think about that and and see who 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 put that in my hand because suddenly I had it. I read it. I read it in one time. Yeah. You know, couldn't put it down. You know, it was a really interesting story. It's a fun story to read. It's not, you know, when you when you talk about it and you say, oh, it'll put you on the right track in life, and people go, oh, it's an it's a book that explains to you how you. It's not. It's just a story, as you know, and uh, and and but it's very smart written. 
Yeah. You know, I yeah. realized at that time there were already sold like 77 zero million copies of that book. So I knew it was a powerful book. Something is going on there. Otherwise, I won't sell this amount of books. Also, Bill Clinton, all these big people have been, people made pictures of him, them reading the book. You know, the, the funniest thing that because I always tell this to people, like four years ago, I looked at an, uh, an interview from Will Smith. And they asked him, uh, what would you say to the people at home, you know, if they want to pursue something? And he says what everybody says always, never give up, because it will happen if you want it. And then one of the things that he said, he says, I read the book, The Alchemist. And I started laughing. I look at my wife and say, see, I always told you, you know. So I love it. I give it to my, uh, to my students, you know. If they want to come, come and compete and they want to train, I say, read this book first, you know. It will put you on the right track. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great book. It's one of my favorite books um, of all time, it's hands down. And I think the person put it in my hands was my mother when I was 12, except for I was really stupid and didn't decide to read it until I was 18. <laughs> so I was like, ah, mom, and then read the book. And I was like, why did I, what did I do the last six years? What's going on with me? But it's, it is such a great book. And um, another book that I'm just going to throw out there as well, because you have read this one, Life's Golden Ticket by Brendan Bouchard. Very similarly written. And for me personally, that was a book that changed my life simply because I had a lot of uh, anger issues growing up. Like, I had a lot of resentment with different things. Um, reading that book just got rid of it. Like, really quickly just got rid of, like, the horrible feelings I had inside, which is another thing that, you know, reading does for you. The right st Reading the right things helps get rid of that uh, pain inside. You know, it's, it's, as long as they put things next together, you know, when you comp start comparing things, that always works. And good books like that do that. And um, it's like um, my daughter is afraid to say to her friend a certain thing. I said, well, is, is it true? Yeah. And if you don't say it, is it going to hurt her? Blah, 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 blah. She says, yeah. I said, well, then you have to tell her. I said, because she will accept it. Yeah, but she probably thinks. I might say, that's not your thing. You're, you're her friend. You're going you know, to have to tell her. But, but explain it. Explain it like this and this and this is how it is. That's what I always do with people. Everybody always thinks that I'm this guy who fights everybody on the street and as a bouncer, and it's, and it's absolutely not true. I was, they always wanted me as a bouncer because I was the guy who didn't fight, who mm. could from nine out of 10 times talk these people out of it. You know, I'm really good with people and talking, you know, and then once they really gang up on me, I'm really good and explain to them that they're not gonna win that, you know, that it is my profession. And I will get inside their heads because I know what I'm doing. And I say, well, what do you do? What do you do as a job? Oh, I, I work construction. Oh, yeah? No, yeah. All that time that you spend there working construction, I'm actually training against other professional fighters who are really good at what they're doing, and I'm beating these guys. So chances that you are going to win this thing is not going to happen. But once you present it to them like that, they go like, ah, makes sense. It's like me going to Kobe Bryant. I say, hey, let's shoot some hoops because I, I train like four days a week. I shoot a little hoop. Who do you think is going to win this? Right? <laughs> It's like it's just the dumbest thing ever, you know. Then people will laugh at me. But if you do it the other way around with fighting, people go, "Yeah, there's always that punch's chance." Yeah, yeah, it's a very small chance. It's, it but depends who the puncher is. It depends who the puncher is. So just it explain it, and that 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 will uh, ease the pain. Yeah, entirely, entirely. And something that I really want to jump into right now was like, um, I think I heard it on Joe's podcast. I think you said it was either on Joe Rogan's podcast or someone else's. Where you mentioned when um, 
about self-belief. Self-belief is a big thing. We're going to jump into this because you have like insanely good self-belief, which is good. Um, but I think it was your wife that had told you once, and that was that you should move to America because big things are going to happen to you when you move there. And I can't remember the exact story, but it was when you were in Holland, when you were still living in Holland. Well, the, the, my wife was just an, uh, she just had an epiphany, I think. There was, and twice she had this. First of all, when I lost in Holland, uh, the Thai boxing fight, I vouch never to fight anymore because I was on top of the world. As soon as I lost one fight, I was suddenly the worst fighter there was. They forgot all my knockouts I had before. All in the first round, everything was gone. I was, I was a dumbass. So I said, I'm not, I'm not going to fight anymore. That's it. But then I met my wife, and like six months into our relationship, she tells me that we, I'm going to fight in Japan. And I go, I'm, I'm not going to fight anymore. She says, I know you said that, but you said I'm not going to fight in Holland, but you're going to go to Japan. Listen, this is in 92. Nobody ever heard of mixed martial arts. And then um, at, an, at a show, I'm somewhere at the show, this guy is asking me, hey, um, are you interested in free fighting? Chris Dolman, he, he was one of the fighters on Rings, the organization Rings in Japan. And uh, that's what they called it, free fighting at the time. And I started training, and one thing led to another, and suddenly there was a tryout for Pancras, and I knocked the guy out, and boom, I'm in, I'm in Japan. A year later in Japan, my wife again has this look on her face, and she tells me, we're going to move to America, and you're going to be in the TV business. We're going now into our 10th season. Last Friday was our 10th season for Inside MMA. Wow. I mean, wow. we're nine years on TV. It's, it's just insane. And so... You know, but but with self-belief, I I never before I wasn't, but I'm a really good. Here we go again. I'm a really good talker to myself. Like the way I explain to a to an angry customer, I can also talk to myself. So if I will be nervous, I can literally tell myself like before a fight, for instance. Uh, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? You get knocked out. Well, it's probably not going to happen because you're the best striker here. But let's say it happens. Is it really that bad? You get knocked out, you wake up, that's it. Okay, no, not that really bad. You get submitted, you tap. Okay, you get, you can still fight next month. That's not so bad. So is it really bad to look? Okay, really bad would be totally getting beat the crap out of it, mm -hmm. out of, and, and not be able to do anything back. That with good matchmaking is probably not going to happen. So once you start talking, talking to yourself like that, you go like, whoa, 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 whoa. You step away from it. That's, it's really not that bad. And what I had with um, with ground fighting, you have to understand, I don't didn't have a ground t uh, coach, so I taught everything myself. I found this one guy sparring partner in Holland. This is after a year fighting in in Pancras. So the first year I had nobody. I, I went to Amsterdam once every week or maybe once every two weeks, you know. But if I would come in there, some guys would literally leave, so I couldn't train. You know, it was insane. So I almost never went there. So I had no experience, and then. There was this moment that um, once I started rolling with my friends and we started doing it two, three times a day, like we got insane. I'm, I was obsessed. I was post-its, little notes. Every, every, the whole house was planted with, with notes and, and combinations. And I would wake up my wife. I always tell this story because people go, yeah, right. I said, yeah, I did this at least six, seven times. And I woke her up in the middle of the night because I would dream a submission and I would put her in that submission and I would tell her, <laughs> This is where it hurts, right? She goes, yeah, okay. I would write it down, and the next day, I would have used it training. But then, the, my, my biggest opener was this. My biggest opener was that once I went uh, to Japan, and I was there one time for like two weeks before the fight, 
and there were a bunch of American fighters. And I always thought that the American fighters were way better on the ground than I was. That was my perception of them. And once I started rolling with them there, I realized that was absolutely not the case. And that was the moment I came home. And after that, I told that I was on the phone with my wife. I said, I think I can be a world champion in this. I mean, I did not expect that. If I wouldn't have had that experience, maybe I wouldn't have been as good. Because most of the time, confidence is the number one thing, you know. But just that experience made me realize, wait a minute, I'm much better than I think I am. You know, and it's not saying that I'm, I'm terrific. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm much better than I think I am. Yeah. And just that was a big eye opener. And that, that pretty much set me on the track right away. Then I started realizing, I started doing that with everybody. You know, oh, that's striking. Let's train uh, with, with the best strikers. Go to the best strikers. Okay, yeah, I'm better. You know, like things like that. Listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, Tyrone Spong and Peter Ertz and all these guys. Yeah. <laughs> these, these guys are really. Legends, just legends in their own way. I'm talking about guys that we have here in America, you know, that simply are not up to par with with the Dutch striking skills. So um, that's it. That's it. Just experience it, and that will be the best life lesson. If I had to actually tell anyone right now that's here listening, if you're ever interested in Muay Thai, I'll tell you the three best countries in the world to train, in my opinion. Thailand is good for your kicks. Brazil is good just for, you know, they're, they're overall quite good. I mean, look at Anderson Silva. He's an absolutely amazing athlete. Jose Aldo and the others. But I'll tell you the best place I've ever trained. Holland. The Dutch. Yep. You guys have got down to a science. I mean, seriously, Tyrone Spong is... I remember the first time I saw Tyrone Spong. He weighs the exact same... When he... when This is like 10 years... No. 13 years ago, I saw him when I was 13 years old. Because I remember looking at him. And he was uh, 72 kilos at the time. Uh, please excuse my cat. He's he doesn't see. He's just a little bit of a big boy. Ah, but anyway, he's um, Tyrone. I saw him at like seventy-two kilos, I think it was, or middleweight, and uh, he ended up now kind of he's a heavyweight champion. Like just so many different titles at one time, and it's scary. Again, that's down to self-belief, and you know you've seen him when he did his uh, MMA debut, where he just knocked the guy out and walked away because he thought it was a standing eight count. He's in. Uh, yeah, how funny was that? And uh, he was he's such a complete animal you know so explosive and powerful everywhere his technique is very very crisp you know he, he, that's it's the complete package he, when, when he said he wanted to do boxing I truly believe he can do really well in boxing yeah I think there's only think one that, other athlete I can think of that even came close to that and no I don't, I don't know if you ever heard of him he was a um, God, where is he from Algerian I think he is but he grew up in France turning in France his name was Samir Mohamed Samir, they called him the Petit Prince, about four or five hundred uh, kickboxing matches, only lost once or twice in his entire career. Guy was, like, he wasn't literally an animal. If you ever see a guy that's an animal, he started off in Muay Thai, then went to kickboxing, like, uh, hip and above. Then he went to boxing, and I think he won, like, ten fights in boxing, two, three hundred in kickboxing, about four hundred in Muay Thai. Just an insane amount of people they beat, and also just so you can see what I'm actually holding. This is the sole co-pilot of the actual oh, show. The claw! <laughs> exactly. Just, you know, going crazy at me. So something I did want to kind of get into was, um, growing up, you said you had asthma. And, like, asthma is just, you know, uh, from what I've been told by a lot of people that have had it, it's almost like they feel like it's a death sentence that's there from when they're young all the way until they're older. But for you, that really wasn't the case because you built the O2 trainer, which I no longer have. I need to order a new one. Um... 
that really helped your breathing technique? I mean, because if you're fighting, obviously you got to take in a huge amount of oxygen. How did you like overcome that essentially, and how did you come up with the O2 trainer? Well, since I started with the O2 trainer, I'm now for two years. I'm absolutely uh, asthma-free. I don't even carry an inhaler anymore, which I was something I had to do my entire life. There was always an inhaler in my pocket because if I would sneeze, for instance, three three times really violently, <clears throat> I, my lungs would close and I need to stay open. You know, if I would uh, breathe in a certain, like straight from a cigarette to smoke, something like that, boom, and my lungs would close. I had to open before the fight, every fight that I ever had, you know, in the dressing room, warming up. It's like they call it asthma-induced, uh, training-induced, exercise-induced. That's the name for it. You know, the lungs close, and you spray them open, and then you can keep on going. Mm -hmm. And um, I just started thinking about when I was a kid, I had these, these attacks uh, for like a week in bed, not able to drink or to eat, drinking very hard, but eating pretty much impossible because I couldn't breathe. But you know, you're, if you're like, <laughs> like that 24-7, it's, it's a whole different ballgame than people who cough a few times and say, oh, I have asthma. But what I realized, because I did track and field as well, what I realized is after an asthma attack, if I would resume my track and field, my running would always be better. And it drove me nuts, and I could not figure it out. This is when I was 12, 13 years old. And I go, why is that? Why is that? And then I started thinking, maybe it's the medication, you know, the, the whatever, the cortisones that they give you or something. Maybe that's something does something to your lungs or... But then I realized when I went to a, a doctor's office, I, I saw a poster on the wall of a, a drawing of a pair of lungs. And I realized that the, the infection is not in the lungs. The infection is in the lung pipe going to the lungs. And they enhanced those. They, they made them larger. So you saw the lung pipe, but now it was closed. It was much smaller. And that was it. That, that was literally when I looked at it, I go, oh, that's the reason. I've been for a week or eight days, I've been pulling air in through an infected area, <laughs> constantly pulling in. Now when the infection is gone, my it's much, I, uh, unknowingly, I was training my lungs. I was working them out. So with the infection gone, it's much easier for them to pull that air in. And that's when I started experimenting with uh, all these crazy things like coins with holes in them. I put them in front of my teeth and tried to breathe through them. But that, you know, very dangerous, of course, mm -hmm. because if you breathe a coin in while you're dead. So uh, all these things. Uh, and But it always stuck in my head. And uh, many years later here, you know, every party that you are, there's people that say, oh, I have a good idea for an invention. And then people, he has an invention, he has an invention. And every time when I would say, hey, the routinizer, that was the original name. I said, it's, uh, you know, and I, I would explain how it works. They would say, dude, that is a really good idea. People would call me the next day and say, you got to make, that's a really good idea, boss. So finally I started uh, listening to them and I made the O2 trainer. And I'm happy I did because my asthma is gone. I can literally jump here on my machine on the body action system I have right here in the backyard and I can go full blast. My lungs won't, uh, won't close anymore. Uh, all my friends, yeah, on, go online. You can read all the reviews. They're all real reviews from real people. Many, many more people say the same thing as I said. Yeah, it's actually one of the things I really love doing because I don't have a problem with my breathing, but it actually helps you expand your breathing even when you're, you're fighting. Um, I took, God, how long was it? I took six months off the mats. No Brazilian jiu-jitsu, no training, no nothing. I sat at home and got fat for a little bit. That that was like the, uh, that's what ended up happening. Went back on the mats, even though like I, Done the. I, this is where I moved to. Um, where I moved stuff around and lost my O2 trainer. Um, 
I had it. I would just walk around with it every so often, just using it every so often. Just like, you know what? Let me just experiment how good this is. Went back to the gym, still able to roll. I, I rolled for like seven hours straight one day uh, without any training for se for six months, just couch potato. The only thing I did was walk around with the SO2 train for a little bit around my apartment. That was it. Nothing more. Yeah. The, the thing I do is I do breathing exercises with it. Yeah. You know, and I do it, and you shouldn't do this, what I'm saying right now, but that's uh, but, but how I do it, but it's, it, it, you cannot do it. I do it in the car. I'm breathing exercise. I put screen number 12, where it's a tiny little hole, and I do deep inhales with it, exhale, 12 sets of 12, three sets of 12, 12, and I'm done. That's it, you know, and it works like a charm. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And now you've got, like, um, so many iterations, really, I think, um, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen in this year with uh, the O2 trainer. I mean, I'm not going to tell everyone what it is because, you know, it's obviously my wait for you to release what you have to say. But, um, guys, anyone listening to this, if you're into any type of martial art, go check it out. Like, Boss's stuff is just incredible. But so, and this is something that, um, this is something I am going to bring up because if I don't bring it up, I know someone's going to message me about it later on. But your video, your self-defense video, that probably the best self-defense video I've ever seen. Do you still have that around somewhere, or is it just like, no? I sell it. You still you know, have on it. The website. Oh, we, yeah, my God. We, we sell it because it's a it's it's a cult thing now. <laughs> it really you know, is. I never expected. I I don't I don't I never realized. I know I make sound effects when I talk to people. But I don't realize that I was doing it while I was teaching. So when you look at the video, it's an hour and forty-five minutes. It's actually it's serious. Yeah. But all the what this guy did, all the ding ding, all the sound effects, he cropped into a four-minute clip, and it's hilarious. Oh. Yeah. This guy gave me every jump in Cartoon Network. You were talking about it. Yeah. Comes because of that, you know, Grand Theft Auto, all the video games that I was in, all the stuff. It's all because of that guy. I. I tried to contact him three times. He never replied. I, I wanted to say, hey, obviously you're a fan. Pick out whatever you want on my website, man. You give me so much work. But uh, he, he never contacted me back. Oh, man, that's crazy. But that is so true. Like, that is something that's quite, I'm quite happy you had. Like, I'm going to throw that into my shopping cart tonight. Oh, God. You have no idea how many of my friends have actually told you or told them about this. Because they saw, uh, we watched Here Comes the Boom a couple of weeks ago. Um, simply because, you know, it's a Christmas time. I've movie marathon they were like have you seen here comes the moon they're like no what's that I was like you have to watch it and your whole thing that you're doing with the self-defense class yeah, yeah my yeah. friends are sat there going please tell me he's not really like this i'm like bass is really like this i found the clip on youtube show them they're like oh that is hilarious that's so funny so this week when um i told my friends that you know i've got this interview with bass root and they're like who is he i was like remember here comes the moon? like yeah. that guy was like yeah like please tell him that you know ask about the clips and stuff i was like oh we'll do and sorry, my cat is always doing this. He will always talk to you when uh, he needs attention. That, that part, when you're talking about uh, the disco street fighting part and the here comes the boom, that is a true story. That somebody actually told me he did that to six of the, that, that routine. I'm not kidding. That routine saved his life six or seven times. He, this was hilarious. This is at the tap out party. I'm there with Kimbo Slice and all these guys. And then the person who who supplied all the, the gold necklaces and everything, he's this white guy who wants to be black. One of those, you know, there was he wants to act like and rapping the whole time. And he's uh, all he wants to be cool. 
and he said, uh, he's hearing us talking about fighting. He has no clue who I am. And then he tells me, yeah, I used to do karate. He says, but not normal karate. He said, I did street karate. <laughs> so my friends start laughing. I look at them like, uh, don't, don't, you know, let's, let's ride with this. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and this guy, he says, yeah, my routine has saved my life six times. <laughs> I say, your routine? I said, dude, you got to show me your routine. Now, the routine he showed me. So out of the blue, imagine this. I'm standing here. Out of the blue, suddenly he goes to me, and he holds his elbow like this far away from my solar plexus. Then he does with his fist this, and he's shaking the fist in front of my face. He says, when I do that to people, you know, they, uh, they, they come back, and then I go, in the neck. And what, they go over, I grab him by the neck, he said, and that was what I did, and here comes the boom. I grab him by the neck, I gave him two knees, and then he, he just threw him backwards, not even looking, and then he stomped backwards, exactly like I'm doing in Here Comes the Boom. <laughs> I'm mentally patriotic, because you also had a song to go with it as well. But all his friends and he is are looking at me, and they all, they all in awe of him. So I look at him, and I go, nah, <laughs> you never did that. I say, you practice that a lot in the mirror, and you know, and you think it's cool, but you never did that. And six times, not in a million years, my friend, it's not happening. And of course, it shut him up right away. But I mean, how, how dumb are people? They see something on TV, and they think that automatically that is a routine, and it saved his life six times. I'm going to ask gonna you something ask at you the something end of this uh, podcast, because there is something I do want to mention. I'm not going to mention it now, because that will... Well, not in fear. It'll just take this podcast off tracks. <laughs> It'll make me laugh too much. Um, well, I think you know what it's about when it comes to martial arts and stuff like that. But kind of like backtracking a little bit, because there is something uh, just I realize what time it is. Kind of like looping into this, because this, I want to give you as much time as possible for this, Bas. Um, every guest that I have that comes on my show, I always ask them this one question at the end, the same question I'm going to ask you. Given everything that you've gone from, from, you know, very humble beginnings to, like, being in Japan, being a superstar in Japan, flying around the world, 10 years on Access TV, coming up to it, and doing everything that's amazing, if there was three pieces of advice that you could give to people that are actually pursuing their dreams, pursuing what they want to achieve in their lives, what would they be? Like, what would be the three pieces of advice that you would give? Well, they, 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 we know what number one is, right? Read the book, The Alchemist. <laughs> Start reading that and set goals and set and, and have a plan B. Just like in fighting, have a plan B for what if it doesn't work out. Maybe you're not that fighter. Maybe you, if you're a fighter, some guys can't control the nerves. They're really good in the gym, but they can't control the nerves, so they can't perform like they do in the gym um, under pressure. But if that happens and you have that plan B, then it's okay. If you throw yourself completely on one thing, not knowing yet if you can actually do that thing 100%, at least 90%, like you, that means you're really good at it. You know, that, that, that is never good. You need to uh, make sure there's always a backup plan. I, I worked three jobs my first year when I was fighting pancreas. And they told me, what happens? I said, what if I walk on the street and a car hits me and I break my leg? Career's over. If it's a compound fracture, career will be over. I better have a backup plan. You know, always make sure. Don't throw your old shoes away before you have new ones. That's what they say in Holland. You know, so that's an important lesson. And then just push. 
I would say whatever you do, log, write things down. I did it with weights, with repetitions, with minutes that I trained, with everything, and everything increased slowly but surely. Every workout you can do more, you know, but you can only do more if you know exactly what you did, so write it down. You know, and what I would say now to people as well is I write down what you eat. If you're, a, if you're an athlete, write down what you eat. And then the next day, how you feel. And if you do, just do it for a month. That's the only time you have to do it for a month. But then you're going to realize, oh, I had a lot of lactic acid that day. Oh, what was I eating before? Oh, this and this and this. Wait a minute. That same thing happened two weeks ago. Let me see. Yeah. Okay. So this I shouldn't eat anymore. You see, there's certain things that people simply can't eat. Like shellfish with me, it's, I can eat, it's no problem. But if I'm, if I'm working out or fighting on it, or lamb meat, it has the same thing. I get a lot of lactic acid. Really? You know? If I don't eat it, I don't have it. So before a fight, I don't eat it. After the fight, I eat it again. Mm. Okay, see, that's really interesting because like, um, also food affects mood. I don't know if you actually knew that. It really affects how you like, feel. Um, post them before, which is kind of funny because my old instructor and uh, my old head coach, his pre-fight meal was always a pizza. He was like, pre-fight meal, I'm going to have a pizza. Goes in, wins the fight, comes back out. I was like, how? How is that? He goes, it's just a yeah. habit for me. I, I was like that. I was exactly, I, I, you know, I started later in life, I started eating cleaner. Mm. But I was always, I could train. But I was, I was just a dumb guy. You know, I, I trained seven days a week, two day, times a day, not knowing that that was actually really bad for you, that you need rest, that yeah. in order to get stronger, you need rest. You know, I totally overdrained myself, 4% body fat, just passed out, you know, and then people found me. And that was, they say, dude, you, you should be in bed for like three months now. You know, I had to whole come back from that. And then when, I, when they told me, no, you need rest because they explained to me how muscles work. You break them down and they need rest to get stronger and then or now they're actually stronger. And once I started doing that, yeah, then my, my curve went all the way up. Suddenly I, I became much stronger than I was before. And I, it wasn't bad already at the time. It was just too much is never good. Yeah. Take your day up. If you don't really feel, especially with sparring, if you don't have a day, don't spar. <laughs> not a good thing to do oh man sparring with the Dutch one thing I've always learned when you're sparring with the Dutch keep your hands up and keep your chin down because they they can hit very hard oh. it goes hard you know we, we train our people when, when people walk into my gym and they uh, they see guys spar they'll you know s some will turn around mm. they will think that's no way I said but this, these are the fighters they're, they're allowed to spar like that and the, to the head they watch out but the low kicks and body kicks and body shots, everything, it's full. You know, you're so. Uh, I never want to fight any one of your guys for one reason. I know that you've taught them the liver shot. I know that much. I've been hit with that once or twice, and I will tell you right now, thank thank God, never when I was competing, but always when I was sparring, someone would catch me. I'm like, okay, I'm going down. That's it, no more. That's my first Thai boxing class. They dropped me with it. My first Thai boxing class. I came from karate. My hands were all the way up when he hit my head. <laughs> Boom! Yeah, that was it. I go, okay, I would love to know what that is because that hurts a lot. <laughs> so, guys, so, guys, I'm going to go and say thank you, Baz, for a super entertaining podcast. I mean, this has been brilliant. Um, we'd love to have you on like, later on once you know everything that's got in place uh, with the O2 Trainer. Guys, go and check out uh, Baz's podcast, which you have, which is Rutin and Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yep. Ronaldo, that's the one. Um, and also their Facebook page with the same name, facebook.com forward slash 
Rutten, which is R U T T E N, and Ranala, which is R, is it R O N or R A N? R A R A N. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ranala.com. Yeah. We'll have links below in the description. Yeah, if you go to you do to like for instance iTunes and you type in Rutten, it probably it probably shows already up. You see Rutten Evernello showing up. So it's a, it's a fun podcast. We started last week. This week we're going to have number two. So we're early stages. But we interviewed some good guys already. We had Daniel Jacobs, was the best, the first cancer survivor who uh, became world champion boxing. We had him last week, so it's an uh, it's an, a really interesting story that he has. Dude, that's gonna be absolutely amazing. We'll be tuning in to check that out. Um, thanks again, Bas, so much for doing this, guys. As always, check out Bas's site as well as uh, BasRutin.com. Is that still that's still active, isn't it's it? Still there. Yep. Go ahead and check it out, and you can get the O2 train from there as well, right? Everywhere, yeah. O2 Trainer, Google it, or O2Trainer.com, you know, and otherwise, just go to the website. It's a great way to actually keep yourself fit and stuff like that as well, because health is a big important part for business as well. Baz, thank you so much for doing this. Guys, I'm going to end it right here. Take care.